Hello there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of TapCalf Transmissions, the only Star Wars podcast that's going to be about the animal planet tonight. Uh, <laughs> I am your host, Corey. Joining me, as always, is my uh, shit. What's a what's an e word that is otter related? Excellent. No, that's um, not related to otters. Oh, otters. Um, hmm. Energetic otters are energetic. I, yeah, but I've called anyway. The, the whole the whole year's ruined. I've been doing this so well forever. But now, yeah. how are you doing, Justin? Right at the end, you fumbled it at the finish line. I'm good. I'm still a little bit sick. Like I don't feel like I don't feel sick, but I think I may have COVID. A lot of my buddies got it now, um, and like all I have really is a stuffy nose, which is yeah. what all what they all said they have. Yeah. Um, and I was at a, a an event the other day where there was a COVID notice, like the one hour I was there. So get my test back tomorrow. Either way, I feel I feel like ninety five percent. Um, I think I got it also just from talking to Charlie. Yeah, that that it's can just, happen. It can so transmit nasty. over over the internet. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I was in the good. same boat last week. That's why we canceled the podcast last week because yeah, neither of us could talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still don't sound. You sound kind of worse than you did like two days ago when I talked to you. Um, I think that's just because I'm stuffed up, though. Like I mm-hmm. like my throat doesn't hurt at all. It's just my nose is stuffed up. Um, but the other day, like I lost my voice completely. Um, yeah. Like I, I couldn't I could barely speak um, for one day. I, I couldn't speak at all. Um, so the podcast was definitely of the question. <laughs> but. Yeah, like right now I feel fine. I just I can't breathe through my nose. So, yeah, yeah. So that's why he's not on uh, on webcam for everyone watching the video yeah, version of it. Like it. <laughs> uh, it's it's less gross this way. But tonight yeah, I'm gonna be blowing my nose and stuff. It's it's not gonna be pleasant. Yeah. So tonight we're gonna be talking about the Corellian trilogy book two, Assault at Salonia. Nailed that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. There's been a little bit of Star Wars news to maybe talk about. Uh, there's not really much to say about Eclipse. There was a trailer out. Company sucks. That's yeah. about. Well, the CEOs suck. Yeah. Yeah, the company is otherwise seems fine. So I forget the um, I forget the name of the uh, the main guy. It's Quantic Dream is the company. The, the main guy is yeah, like David Cage. David Cage, right? homophobic yeah. there's lots of stuff that's just not very epic i think is probably the the simplest way to put it um and it sucks because i've liked i well i've only really played detroit become human and i really liked that game and as i was playing it i was kind of thinking about how well it would have fit in the star wars universe because it's story driven um paints a really interesting kind of creates a really interesting world very quickly but uh yeah definitely definitely going to be a, an interesting to put it lightly situation when that game comes out and of course lucasfilm hasn't said anything which kind of just yeah. makes it worse yeah this is a game that's been like rumored for a long time that quantic dream was going to be making a star wars game so it's like these are these aren't new things that the ceos were saying like this is stuff yeah. that's been known for a long time yeah I, questioning I'm if you can in... i'm not under oath so can i lie <laughs> no yeah exactly and it's like on one hand, they're bad, but like, on the other hand, it's like all game companies seem to be bad. Yeah, like that's Blizzard, Riot, uh, Ubisoft. Even in, 
yeah, even Insomniac had yeah. a lot of stuff like that. It, it's just yeah, Rockstar has always gross. been like, and like a lot of these companies, whether it's like open harassment of employees or um, open harassment of employees or homophobia or sexism or racism, whatever. Lots of isms that you know end up coming out from these old dinosaurs that run these game companies. There's also just the fact too that almost all of these game companies at some point end up fucking over their employees. Yeah, none of them are unionized. I believe the first video game union in North America um, was founded this week, but a lot of the uh, employees are fucked over. Um, it's just like what goes into AAA games is is kind of gross. So it's yeah. it's I always kind of struggle with it because i obviously love video games and like with halo infinite like i was certainly glad they um they delayed that there was actually a really interesting not to get too off topic there was a really interesting video put out by g4 the other day who g4 exists again which is cool yep um x plays back adam x plays back this video was actually by adam sassler it was about halo 2's development and like just how fucked up it was and like how many people got divorced after it and like yeah yeah People get put through the meat grinder, basically. Yeah. One of the weirdest Sorry. things I saw with it was like people trying to defend Cage by saying like, oh, well, this the original article is in French and this was an, uh, an automatically translated thing. So we can't know what any of it says. Like there, there's people who speak French and read French. Like <laughs> I, I can read the original <laughs> thing. It's in, it's in there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. the, yeah, the whole industry the really needs to. Yeah, they gotta find the one guy in Canada who speaks French and English, and good luck. Or yeah. one guy, period. Yeah, and there was the, all the the Elliot Page stuff where Cage oh, was yeah, like, right. yeah, yeah, because he was Fucking in gross. Detroit or uh, Heavy Rain. No, one of them, I think. I think it was Heavy Rain. Rain? I don't yeah. know. I've never played any of them. But anyway, um, yeah. So that'll be something I'm sure we talk about more as the game approaches. Yeah, we um, got Book of Boba Fett in two weeks on a lighter right. note. Yeah. Yes. And they revealed today that like most of the footage that they've shown is from like the first, I think they said like seven minutes of the episode or something or like 15 minutes of the episode. Okay. Um, That's good. Which I like. It's kind of nice that like, because the Mandalorian, I think has earned a lot of people's trust, rightfully so. Uh, The Mandalorian one, they showed stuff from a lot of the season. I think all eight episodes season two's trailer kept it to like the few trailers they had kept it to like, two or three episodes yeah it was weird all the promo stuff for season two was just the the lady he picked up with the mm-hmm. eggs like all the promo mm-hmm. stuff there wasn't a single thing of grogu or him i yeah yeah and i found that frustrating at the time but now i'm like okay i'm i'm glad they do this and then i guess they're taking it to an even crazier extent now where it's like yeah we're gonna give you five minutes of content just trust us it's gonna be good so I'm glad that they've got that confidence in their project. I do think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to it. So the episode releases on the 29th, which is a Wednesday. So my assumption is that the Thursday we're then going to be doing yeah, uh, calf about it. Unless so, we end okay, up moving so it to the 29th. Did they move, so they did move it now because it used to be Thursday, Friday, right? Like Thursday night? Yeah, I think it's now it's Wednesday, maybe maybe Thursday. I'm wrong, but I think it's like Wednesday over. Er, I know they're planning be? on moving it, but I'm not positive. Let's just see. Book of Boba Fett release date. It says December 29th, and that is a Wednesday. So yeah. 
So it'll probably be releasing at like 11.59 December 29th. Yeah. Or I'm never sure when they say like, oh, it's releasing that day, whether it's counting like the Pacific midnight or like 11.59 releases, like it's that day or the next one. I always forget. But well, either way, that's the Wednesday. So yeah. Yeah. So So it'll either be like the morning of the Thursday, I mean, versus the Wednesday night, which because it used to be Friday morning, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So we'll talk about that two episodes from now. I guess one episode from now, What are, are we going to be doing something next week? Because we got the X2 Christmas yeah. special. Are we going to be doing something Christmas specially here? Or are we... we... Could. I mean, I'm not, really sh- I'm not really sure, to be honest. We are, I'm sure, going to be kind of busy with Christmas stuff coming up, yeah. so we'll have, to, we'll have to think on that. I wish there was something else other than the holiday special. I can't be bothered. Yeah, I, I don't want to do that. I've watched it recently enough. Like, when I got yeah. Dana... To watch the Star Wars movies with me, we actually started with parts of the holiday special. Just like keep the expectations low. Yeah, established and... Boba Fett as a character. Yeah. Um B. Arthur. <laughs> Alex and Molly did their uh holiday special commentary recently. So mm-hmm. I think just like last night even. So I think that's a Patreon thing for Star Wars Explained. So if people want to hear commentary on that, just use theirs. We're not watching. Yeah, no, I'm not not watching that bullshit. Um, oh, the Matrix is coming out soon, which I'm kind of excited about. But I don't know when it comes out, but soon. Oh, well, that's not Star Wars related, but no, just not I yet. Mention that. Not yet. Yeah. All right. So I guess it's time to get into Assault at Salonia. Uh, mm-hmm. So in this book, we open up with Han getting his ass beat by by Drachmus the Salonian, and then I I forget what else happens. This book was really strange. Um, so yeah, this book I, I read this one in uh, soft cover, and it's two hundred. It, it's it's I thought it was a pretty short novel. Yeah, it's two eighty nine pages, and I read it in like four hours. Like I was just flying through this thing because not a lot happens in it um, yeah it's like the typical middle of a trilogy setup uh usually you'll end up with like a worse than yeah of a trilogy setup because normally you'd have the battle ending like you'd have a mid trilogy battle yeah. that ends but this is like luke goes to get the bakurin fleet lando tries to call his girlfriend and vice versa leia and yeah. mara escape from the hotel and han escapes from his prison those are kind of the, yeah. the main plots there it would have been like um, Empire Strikes Back if they ended when uh, Luke arrives at Cloud City. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. It's it's definitely a bit strange. Um, so yeah, like a lot of it is sort of the characters kind of escaping. Um, it's kind of the characters escaping uh, the situation they got into the first book. So we see Han get captured. A lot of this book is him traveling with the Salonians. Um, we see Leia and Mara Jade traveling together, uh, Luke and Lando traveling together, the kids and um, the Drawls. Drawls, right? Uh, the I kids are with the Drawls, Hans with the yeah. Salonians, yeah. I just think of them as hobbits. They're, they're kind of like hobbits in a way. Um, and, and yeah, that, that, that was really a lot of the book. I thought the most interesting part was probably the stuff with the kids. Yeah. Um, they visit another one of the planetary repulsors, uh, which is kind of the big reveal in this novel that uh we already kind of knew the Krillin system may have been engineered by some greater power but in this novel uh we learn that the planetary repulsors exist and we still don't even know that center point station is this big ultimate tool of destruction which is kind yeah. of interesting like these books give a lot more credit to the planets for moving into position whereas mm-hmm. like later stuff 
it usually just says no it's all center point moving stuff into position yeah. uh so i think those do get like mostly dropped in other sources the planetary repulsors uh, yeah i believe so but i think all the characters that are introduced in this series are pretty strong like mm-hmm. i like uh ibrahim i like uh Oslage, I like this, the Salonians, but it it kind of struggles with the pre-existing characters, especially mm. Mara, who's kind of just like the swashbuckling, Reddit hungry person. She's not evil anymore. Yeah, like they've known her for ten years, and they're she's prime suspect in the she's banged who's thrown up at this point. Well, that's never been confirmed. Yeah, I know, but let's be honest. But yeah, no, you're right. Um. That's a good point. I, I did like Ostelage was a really interesting character. There's a he got they ripped on him in this book. It's like the only battles he should have been fighting were in the buffet line or something, which I was which like, is Damn. weird because it just described him as like really skinny. Yeah, like strange. slight build. But then it's oh, this man. I, I didn't I didn't know what they were getting at with the only wins battles and buffet lines after that. Like, does yeah. He, Another thing that I thought was weird is like there are several times where this book describes Luke as being like tall. Yeah. And Mark Hamill is not a tall guy. I'm pretty sure he's no. like probably five six or five seven. Um, well well that's because in this series it's actually slightly bigger, bigger Luke. Luke. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that was weird. It's like I would never describe Mark Hamill ever as a tall person. And it's like Gariel, I think, mentions it at one point. It's like there's another occasion where he's like this tall man in a robe who like presents himself well. It's like, I think the Luke I know. He's a little short. He's a little short king. <laughs> well, not that five six or five seven is that short, but I mean, but Oslodge is like looking up at him. Yeah. So I don't know. Are people just like shorter in Star Wars? Is that has that ever been confirmed? Like Vader I is think... obviously very tall, but yeah, Hayden Christensen is famously only five five. <laughs> Yeah, it's all all fake leg. Um, no, I think the the actual truth is that the Bakurans are actually a cherub race. Um, mm. Yeah, no way. Mark Hamill's five nine. I'm googling this. Mark this Hamill. Tweet at him and ask. He'll answer. Mark Hamill. Tw- um, somebody when my son was born, um, someone tweeted at Mark Hamill, and he said, "Congratulations." A, my Twitter account, and I think he said Kelsey for the birth of August. It was very special. I got that. I got that saved on my phone somewhere. Nice. Mark Hamill's five seven. I was right. Don't ever doubt me again. Yeah. See, I I'm bad on the movie trivia. Like, I don't know any of the behind the scenes movie stuff, like the actors' heights and all that. But I'm good Peter with Mickey the EU as the mix with Carrie Fisher's small. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There we go. So Oslage is canonically 5'2". Yeah, Oslage um, is a cherub. Uh, he actually floats off the ground with little wings. He's very cute and sweet, but he's a very dangerous man as well. Yeah, I, I enjoyed him. I like having him around. Sucks that he dies. But Yeah, I am. Um, I thought the uh, I actually thought that like out of all the Star Wars technology that's made up um especially for like these Bantamera novels where sometimes they're not really brought back. I think the hymns is actually one that kind of makes sense for me. Yeah. Um, where I can kind of imagine like, obviously nothing in Star Wars, anything close to scientific, but the interdictor basically rips you out of hyperspace. This kind of just 
you your engine stops working but you're in like a little bubble i kind of imagining it imagining it imagine it like skipping across yeah. like a rock on water um yeah like from a obviously from a scientific standpoint it's all nonsense but from like a star wars logical sense yeah sure well interdiction is one of the technologies that like it shows up multiple times as being created in star wars but it's more that it's a it's a continuing arms race of interdiction gets made people find out a way around it interdiction yeah. gets made again and yeah. so it's just repeating that cycle which is, is the nice. hymns I, I mean i think the hymns does get brought up a few more it times even at least once like, yeah because i think it's in the vong war once i th- yeah. think maybe it's in like legacy of the force at some point as well uh because I believe the New Republic gets it on some of their ships later on. Uh, it looks like it's just in NJO, but it's in NJO okay. a few times. Okay, probably because the uh, they're using all like interdiction becomes kind of a big part of the yeah. endpoint of the war. Aren't they like mining hyperspace lanes and stuff? Yeah, like the whole the NJO is mostly just like uh, dealing with refugees and mining hyperspace lanes. That's ninety yeah. percent of ninety percent of the NJO. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it yeah, is so. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I, I, I didn't even know what I was gonna say. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, it is kind of a, a, not quite a drag, but like, not the most fun that so much of a short book is already, uh, or so much of an already short book is just like all these people suspecting each other of stuff when you're going yeah. in, like when you're first reading this, it's probably less obvious, but like, obviously we're going with hindsight of like, okay, we know it's mm-hmm. not going to be Mara. It's not going to be the Sol- or the Salonians. There's not really think- much presence of the actual yeah. villains of the book in this one. It's just a few pages of like, yeah. Oh, can Mara trust Leia? Can Leia trust Mara? I think even yeah. at the time people probably assume like they're not going to you- make Mara be a heel turn. Yeah. I mean, you've read like, especially like the last command, very like competently goes over Mara's point of view. Like, I don't think if you've read those books, you can really think it's Mara like reasonably. Yeah. Well, like, from that point, it's more like, uh, how much is McBride or is Alan willing to like depart from prior Mara? Cause it's already not really yeah. much like her. Yeah. It's just like Mara's always been the character who's like self-interested, but like, she's also like the Han Solo type in that. Like, yeah, perhaps against her own will she's kind-hearted and good-hearted yeah um so it's like it's just i her killing a bunch of people needlessly is just not within any part of her character yeah. i mean timothy zahn's kind of gone too far the other direction with her where i think he said mm-hmm. more recently like oh well even when she was the emperor's hand she was only in there to take out corrupt imperial officials she never killed any any good people never did anything yeah, against rebel cell like okay chief. come on like <laughs> Yeah. Don't undermine your... It's something that he seems to do with every one of his characters where, like, yeah. while giving them backstory, it turns into, actually, they were always great people. And yeah. it just, like, it doesn't doesn't work. And that's where you get into the Thrawn dichotomy. But Yeah. Um, especially where, like, Mara's kind of, like, a Vader analog in a way, like, in the Thrawn trilogy. Yeah. Where it's, like, you can see that she's been manipulated and she's done all this evil shit and now she's got to kind of live with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah yeah it doesn't really set her up in the Thrawn trilogies and like she was the Emperor's hand but she had some ground rules that he had no. to follow <laughs> yeah it was, if anything it was the opposite like she's done shit that um, she didn't want to and now she's dealing with it yeah 
Yeah. But now she just wants to be a pirate and make money, which is yeah. fair enough. Uh, so we, we get into a little bit more of the, uh, at least exposition of the background of what the villains are doing. So like mm-hmm. we do get at the start, some direct time with Thrak and Sal Solo. Uh, but we also hear about the Overdead and Slonia and we mm-hmm. get some hints at the Sikorian triad being kind of behind everything there. Uh, yep. but so like we see the fleet, the hidden fleet being built up on Sikoria. Because uh, everyone thinks that the Corellians or the Human League or all the other drawless, the Absolutists on Salonia don't have much to work with because they can't keep track of the fleet. And Kalendi, who works for New Republic Intelligence, tells Ocelage, like, well, we can't track every ship in the galaxy, so we don't know that they have nothing. We just kind of have to go in hoping they have yeah, not too much. Yeah, we've got a fake ship, too, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> like. Or it's not fake. It's been disabled during the jump. Yeah, it was. I was left kind of like I think Lando's criticisms of the plan were like well explained. He's like, listen, like we're gonna be deep in enemy space. There's literally no way out. Like, is this the best yeah. way to do it? And the Ocelot is just like, well, trust me. Like I've been doing this. This is my territory. He's like, all right. Mm-hmm. I don't know though. Well, I was thinking, oh, they're going to jump in. They can't scramble in response. That That's fine. But then they get there and also like, ha, huh, now they've only got three days to respond. To us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I thought their next plan might be because the whole plan was to disable the interdiction field. So I thought they might be heading straight for center point to uh, to try to destroy it. But I guess yeah. I guess they're I mean, the plan sort of does make sense. The, the idea is oh, my alarm just went off for some reason. Um, the idea is that they attack Salonia to sort of see how the uh, so kind of check the posturing of those in the Corellian system. Yeah, and I guess they find some stuff out, but obviously there is still an entire hidden fleet that they're not aware of. Yeah, and Center Point Station itself. Yeah, so their job is basically go in, see if they can disable the jump prevention, and then hopefully the New Republic will be able to come in with uh, yeah. better support for any actual fighting that follows it. Yeah, uh, and I really thought there was like a full battle in this book, and then getting into another battle in the next one. But it really is just the one, like this is just the approach to the yeah. battle at center center point. And so. I assume those fighters were unmanned as well. I don't know if it confirms, but given what we saw in book one, those are probably unmanned fighters, right? Uh, some of them probably are, but I don't think huh. most of them are. Okay, because they were like very pre-programmed with the initial thing yeah you're right and that these were at least reacting more yeah and then oh, like the salonian because the salonians were they using uh the ppbs using, or i thought they're using LAFs, were they using cone ships i think they're using ppbs and lafs because they okay. mentioned both um during yeah. the battle i like how we have uh luke and uh, lando flying together that was kind of cool lando's and lady luck and luke's in his x-wing yeah would you say Lady Luck is one of the most iconic EU-only ships? I'm trying to think of one that is more. Uh, Lady Luck and Jade's Fire are kind of both on the same level, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know that... I guess Lady Luck shows up a little bit more, but I'm trying to think of other ships that might qualify, like Wild Card, maybe, yeah, Chimera. Chimera. But you're probably thinking, like, smaller stuff, or... Yeah, I... Almost thinking kind of like ship type, like I think a surprising amount of Star, like 
Lady Luck is very kind of identifiable and yeah. like it even made it into like video games and stuff. I think it is it in Empire War? I know it's in uh Jedi no. Knight 2. Um Yeah, it's in Jedi Knight 2. Uh I'm trying to think I think it's in a few other games and stuff, but yeah. And it made its way into the Clone Wars. Oh, not Lady Luck itself, but the ship type made its way into the Clone yeah. Wars. Yeah. Uh, number name in chat is saying Evan Hawk, but I made an Evan Hawk model that I finished like last night and then posted it in our dev chat. And then one of the devs didn't even know what it was. So I, th- I think he's probably right with the Evan Hawk just because Kodor is so famous. Yeah. But I was thinking as I, I think I was thinking book ships. Yeah. I don't I don't count video games. I was I would also say the Outrider probably. Does Chimera count anymore with uh like it's not technically the same ship in canon, but it is still yeah. Star Destroyer Chimera. I think that the Chimera is a lot more famous in universe than it is out of universe. Like I don't know, like to me, I I don't really find that aside from the dreadnoughts that the ships that Thrawn uses in the original trilogy are that kind of memorable, I guess. Like, yeah. I don't think there's anything unique about them. Whereas like the lady luck or like the Ebon Hawk all kind of have these little kind of personality quirks and like reasons to remember them or like the chimera is literally just a star destroyer, yeah. but it's also the ship that has like the highest chance of making it from old expanded universe book to current universe live action show. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I I mean, I actually wouldn't have been shocked if, um, I wouldn't have been shocked if the, uh, if lady luck would have made it in solo just because yeah. I know they already had it for clone wars and stuff as well. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're probably right. The chimera. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it in live action. Wasn't there another Lando show or movie or something announced with all this yeah, stuff? Yeah, there was the TV show called Lando announced. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if that gets made, and like we will probably not have the Falcon. So yeah, because like in Solo, it makes sense that the focus is going to be so much on the Falcon. But mm-hmm. now that they've got that like told and out of the way, they'll need a ship. Yeah, that's true. I hope it doesn't um, look like Lady Luck because I fucking hate the Sora Subiot. Look. It's ugly as sin. Isn't that what uh, Jade Fire is as well? Yeah, or is it Jade Fire or Jade Shadow that's the Sora Subiot? Can't remember. Can't remember to be honest. I think Fire might be the cool-shaped one. No, Shadow is. Shadows, isn't Shadow destroyed in the Throne trilogy? Uh, no. Maybe not. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, it's No, Shadow's the one she has later that Luke gets her. So I think Jade's right, Fire is the the fire and she's all sad about it because it was like i remember the, the scene it's like it represented all of her personal freedom and yeah stuff and i can't remember in what context oh so they're both source of so, so jade's fire is the the personal luxury 3000 right but she has it painted with flames on it so it's it's much cooler yeah much more epic that way whereas jade's fire or uh jade shadow is the the horizon class it's just like it's just star wars fans showing or star wars writers showing their understanding of women it's like a woman gets a spaceship the first thing she's gonna do is put racing flames on it tendra's tendra's whole story in this book is having car trouble and trying to call her boyfriend (laughs) yeah well not even her boyfriend like the guy that she's madly in love with after just Um, meeting yeah it's it's not great yeah yeah that's true um but I don't mind Tindra, it but does yeah, pass. She's... It packs. It passes the Bechdel test because Mara and Leia. That. 
Yeah, I was thinking they never they mentioned Luke only at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else I want to say about just kind of the book in general. It's, it's just there's not really a lot to talk about for this one. Just to be completely honest, it's like it's very you know middling is like the perfect way to describe it. Um, I I Mara's weird in it. Um. I do enjoy Han visiting. Han gets Han's having a really bad time in this. Yeah. First, he gets beat up by a, a big otter, um, and then he's basically crawling through tunnels for like days on end, um, just like hunched over, just miserable. Uh, and then he's like smelling all the otter sweat and like the sex smells. Yeah, and it's like I like this kind of. It is. Yeah. I do like that we get like all that time with. Uh, Han and Drachmus and Drachmus mm -hmm. is kind of setting up a specific view of the Salonians. Then you yeah. get to the pilot and they're like, no, nah, I don't know what the fuck she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, like she's a weirdo. <laughs> like, yeah. I do like how the, their ship is just total ass as well. Like, it's yeah. just, just absolute garbage. It's like falling apart halfway to the next planet. It seems like it's pretty big, too. Like, it's... Mm. They've got, like, their own cabins in it. Yeah. So it's... it's at least the size of the Falcon. Yeah, it's more yeah. like a Slave 1 kind of situation. One, yeah. Kind of how I imagined it. Yeah, because Slave 1 is kind of like a cone with a with a pointy nose or something. Yeah. I was kind of curious, though, because Slave 1, the way they showed it in in uh, The Mandalorian was pretty pretty cool, where, like, it's got, like, the almost, like, gyroscopic bit on the, on the inside. Yeah. Where, like, it rotates. So, like, you get in standing up because it... It's a, like a vertical launch ship. Mm -hmm. And then um, when it takes flight, the sort of midsection rotates. Um, so I kind of wonder, like, when you get in the the cone ship, you have to, like, climb in and, like, strap in a seat or something like you would on a I rocket. I think so. Yeah. Like, with, uh, with, with Slave 1, I think it's, like, the, the fins on the outside are kind of aligned with the way the inside is. Uh, yeah, that's a good but... call. Yeah. But with this, yeah, you just kind of... Climb in sideways. When you go to land, your toothbrush just falls out of the. Sink. Yeah, they're kind of doing whatever they can with. Uh, it's kind of like describing how it's a little bit limited in technology because half of it's like been scrounged, the other half is just like randomly put together. Um, so yeah. Did you have any uh, any actual notes on this? I only had a note of Oslidge because I was going to try to get an AI drawing of him for an icon in Empire at War before I remembered he actually has a picture. So. Oh, does he? It's just one no. of the like red dossier pictures, I think. So it's like just hand drawn. The only note I have here is Galaxy Minds because at one point I forget who it is says I wasn't dealing with any big Galaxy Minds here, which mm -hmm. I just thought was like a very funny way to describe a stupid person as not having a Galaxy Mind. Yeah, the Galaxy Brain meme started in yeah, exactly. 1994 on Assault at Salonia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, crazy how a uh, niche little Star Wars book has made it this far. Good for them. Yeah, uh, that was that was literally my only note. Um, I'm trying to think of any other general thoughts I had. Um, I enjoyed Gariel being back. Yeah, um, that's something we should probably talk about because it's mm -hmm. it was our first controversial top calf transmissions moment. Uh, Gariel's first, first appearance. Yeah, like, yeah, we're we're getting back to our roots here, and this is. This is the perfect moment if you would like to take a moment to apologize uh, for saying Luke was acting like an incel in Trusa Bakura, which he was. 
Yeah, so in Truce of Pakura, Luke is an incel because he falls in love with um, Gariel in like two seconds, doesn't see her as a person, sees her as like an object that he covets, um, and then kind of nice guys his way out of it. Um, yeah. And he's a bit better in this book. There is shades of that, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but kind of for both of them, they're both acting a bit weird. Yeah. Like It always reminds me of like if I were writing women like in high school after my first girlfriend broke up with me. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I think this kind of sets it up as Gariel having been more into Luke than she really was yeah, at the time. Yeah, does. There's like 14 years later, she just lost her husband, so maybe that explains it a bit more. But like at the same time, I think a lot of people in that situation with a young child, like that close to losing their partner, probably wouldn't be thinking yeah. about their 14-year-ago single days. We have talked before about Luke and Callista, well, Abeloth Callista, after he loses Mara, where he's like, yeah, kinda, that's true. He's kind of thinking about it. So Luke never really grows out of this, is what we're saying. Like he's really bad with Callista. He's not great with Gariel. And then he's kind of yeah. out of it a bit more with Mara, and then mm -hmm. Mara dies and he just reverts. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm interested to read because that also brings Luke back with um. With what's her name? Um, that? Why am I forgetting? What? Um, the Fate of the uh, Jedi Luma stuff? Or? Lumaya. Yeah. Right? Lumaya's, and they were kind of a thing. I think I read all those comics back a while ago and really enjoyed them, actually. I think it puts a lot more in uh, Legacy of the Force. There's more Mera and Lumaya than mm -hmm. Luke and Lumaya. Yeah. Yeah. Because Luke's kind of dismissed all of that, obviously. That was yeah. a fun that was a fun kind of situation. So I don't know if you've ever read the comics, but basically mm -hmm. Luke Luke is he's I forget what happens, but like his targeting computer goes out and he's using the force to fire on Imperial ships. And Lumaya is like uh she's pretending to be a rebel, but she's an Imperial sleeper agent, basically. Yeah. So he shoots at her and he thinks that he's accidentally killed his ally, but she's a she's a baddie. And she survives and turns into Darth Vader for a bit. Yeah. I think uh, one of my first and still one of my longest videos on Datapad was about Lumaya. Oh, really? Like, I think it was like a 20-minute video on just Lumaya. Jesus. I didn't even know there was 20 minutes worth of stuff to say yeah, about her. I just I reread all the comics about her, and it was a lot of work went into that video. How did it do? Let's, let's take a look at that while... Well, we think about maybe our rankings for mm -hmm. uh for assault at Salonia. Like it is a lot of setup for the for the main battle that's gonna be coming. Uh yeah. Osledge seems like pretty on board with like going to do this. So yeah, they do I've have a, a cool scene trouble. with yeah, like we have a cool scene with Luke and him. Not ten thousand views, that's actually pretty good. Mm. Uh but yeah, there's the scene with Luke and Osledge talking about uh, Luke kind of opens up the conversation saying, oh, are you excited to be back back into oh, yeah. it? And he's like, no, that'd be kind of crazy. But on the other hand, yeah, maybe a little bit. And trying to like balance the whole uh, enjoying yeah. with the fact that you're commanding people who are going to die. Yeah, like you're just deciding which of your people are going to die is how he put it. Which yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. Like the the book is well written. It's just 
not a huge amount happens and i think it gets mm-hmm. some of the characterization wrong are kind of my two biggest complaints with this one uh so i i probably do put it below the first one but what did you put the first one at i don't remember i think it was either b or c do we have the thing open i don't have a link <laughs> um i've got a link up right now either. So i have to remember which uh which a Google account I have the yeah, well, I'll thing on. I think I have a link to the viewable one in here, but not the... Um, I don't think we've added it in yet. We'll have to re-listen the first ones? I'm pretty sure I did. Okay. Let's see. Tap cap tier list. Master episode list. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's yeah, Corellian Trilogy. Yeah. Three and three. That so is... Those are C's we gave. Them. Those are C's, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm uh, gonna give it a C for this one as well. I think. Yeah, I I'd either say like low C or high D, but I don't feel yeah. like I, I want to go all the way to a D. That's kind of my it. situation too. If there was if there were a C minus, I'd give that, but mm, don't really feel like it. <laughs> yeah, because I'm looking at the other stuff that I've given a a D to, and it's I I like yeah. this probably more than that. I'm looking at the other yeah. three stuff like. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't not enjoy my time with it. I just thought it could have been a lot better. So that's yeah. C for me. Yeah, I think I think I'm happy to do C as well. Uh, Assault at Salonia. So if anyone wants to check out our prior rankings, there should be a link in the description to a uh, to the tier list that we've got set up. I think we I think the public one does need to be updated. Yeah, I can see if I can do that. I think it exports from a different page than the main one. But we do have a few emails for tonight. Uh, If you have that open, if not, I can read them. You can read one, and then I'll... If you've got it open, then I can read one. All right, our first question comes from LEGO Star Wars fan, who asks, what book is the Crimson Command from? I got that the other day, and I couldn't remember. It's from... uh, Uh, It'd be in Darksaber of actual books, but it's like a lot of it is going to be... uh yep. source book stuff like essential guide to warfare that kind of thing where it gets yep. details fleshed out it's not a yep. huge factor in any in any book so i wouldn't like i wouldn't suggest reading dark saber expecting you're going to get a lot of like crimson command action but that'd mm-hmm. be where it comes up uh okay so we've got an interesting question from Maeve who says uh she kind of mentioned that she's been reading um the prequel era stuff after we covered Shatterpoint and Revenge of the Sith back. I think we covered Revenge of the Sith last year, even, but I can't. Maybe uh, it, no, the, it was. Uh, it was both of them this year for Stover. Okay. So she asks. So the Council rejects Anakin for Jedi training and informs Qui Gon of their decision, and Qui Gon, of course, protests. But what would have happened if Qui Gon had accepted? Naboo's future was uncertain at the point because of the Trade Federation, so Padme couldn't have agreed to take him. And if Anakin returned to Tatooine, he presumably would have been captured and sent back to slavery. What was the council's plan? What would have happened probably is um, Palpatine would have stepped in and been like, I'll mentor the child. And because at that point, he was would already he been able his power. I'm pretty sure. Would he have been able to do it like surreptitiously? Like, would it be more of a, he gets sent back to Tatooine? Cause I guess the Jedi order just doesn't give a fuck. And then Palpatine has to go retrieve him quietly. I don't think he'd be like, oh, I'll no, just pop into the council chamber. I'll take this one, boy. Like, I'd be very suspicious if I was running a child abducting religious organization yeah. and then 
the strange old government leader man came in and was like, hey, give me One that thing, little boy you just took from his home. One thing I was thinking is that Palpatine can use this. Well, Anakin can be tied to saving Naboo because he won the pod race. That kind of got That's true. Him. So I think Palpatine would be like, listen, um, I owe this because he's he's not even chance with that point. He's he's the representative of Naboo's center. So he's like, listen, I owe this boy the 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 lives of the people on my planet. I will take care of him. So. Yeah, that's fair. We'll send him. He'll just say like, oh, I'm going to send him to my family's uh my family's orphanage on Theed. Yeah. And also, I'm an orphan as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my family got slaughtered in a, a hideous lightsaber accident. Only I survived. It was very disgusting. Anyways. <laughs> Yeah. I think he killed them all at the forest, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't have a lightsaber yet. He, like, choked them out and snapped their neck and stuff. I want to reread yeah. Plagueis at some point. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so, I can read the next one. Thank you, um, Thank you. Very interesting question. Uh, did we read Paul's? Is we that... haven't read Paul's. His is next on audiobooks. I will read that one because you're going to be okay. the one answering it. Uh, since Justin uses audiobooks and produces and productions a lot, uh, and most of the Star Wars audiobooks on Audible are abridged, what are your guys' opinion on this? Do you know why so many are abridged, and what abridged audiobooks can you recommend? Also, when might you do Obon Flight? So many of them are abridged because they were originally released on cassette, is my guess. Um, I had cassette audiobooks in, back in the day, and they have to be switched every, like, hour, I believe. Um... So it's just practical limitation of the hardware. Um, I wouldn't say that most of them are abridged. All new Star Wars audiobooks are unabridged. Um, right now they're currently going through and releasing certain ones. Uh, like the X-Wing series is getting an unabridged release. Thrawn series has gotten an unabridged release. Um, when it comes to abridgments that I would recommend, I think the Legacy of the Force ones are very well done. Um, any book that you're only kind of interesting in is interested in but you want to get the main story beats that's a good way to listen to it but if you really want to kind of experience a story sorry yeah. my nose like x-wing um I, I wouldn't recommend listening to those abridgments yeah i think another part of it is just like a lot of them started coming out when there was much less of a market for yeah for portable sure. long form audio whereas now like everyone listens to podcasts everyone yeah. listens to audiobooks they have their phone on them or some other similar device before it was like clunkier shit you had to carry around and like not many ways to do it so yeah. a four hour audiobook versus a 40 hour audiobook other technological limitations notwithstanding probably made more yeah. sense for them to do plus you got to pay someone to read 40 hours yeah for sure for sure uh you can find online also um they do have like transcribed versions for people who are vision impaired so, so sometimes you can find those but yeah uh all right so we've got thank you Paul. Braden next i think uh yeah if you want to read Braden's. oh yeah okay um this is from uh Braden. he says hey Corey and just wanted to make a quick email telling you guys how much you guys mean to me i lost a friend of mine unexpectedly you guys have helped keep my mind off some things when i really need it i'm sure you get things like this all the time but you guys are hands down my number one youtubers and your guys' content has been a bright spot for the past few days I don't know what to say, Brayden, but thank you for the email. That's very really touching. sorry for your loss. I'm glad we were able to help a bit. Mm -hmm. But talking yeah. about otters fighting people. 
Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that sucks. That sucks. That sucks. Nothing else really to say. Um, Seamus says dark greetings, Zach and Corey, and I appreciate everyone who's been giving us dark greetings. Uh, now that you finished YJK, Young Jedi Knights, going back, what was your favorite character moment of the series? He says that uh, his is when Jason falls on Cloud City and Anya comes to realize that she does care about Jason and other Young Jedi Knights. What was yours, Corey? Character moment. I don't know. Some of the ones in the uh, the ones set on Ryloth were pretty good. Where like they're all they all end up mm. separated. So you have uh, some yeah. good moments with like Jason and Tenelka, and then Jaina and Zek, and then Loi. And I think that one gets some of the character moments the best. But it's hard. Yeah, yeah. I like the. I like when Tenelka lost, lost lost her arm. I thought that was kind of an interesting. Uh, yeah, I just I don't like people having two arms. I'm fundamentally against <laughs> it. No, I just thought her kind of adapting that was a good character moment. Um, yeah, dealing with like Jason's guilt <clears throat> and her having to like yeah own up to some of and her pride. Yeah, I like the Zach stuff too. I think I liked Zach kind of dealing with. Well, he deals with first the fact that he's kind of this bum among all of these like really fucking godlike children you know mm-hmm. force sensitive son and daughter of the most famous people in the galaxy so i like that and then of course he's got the he's got to deal with later on the uh the you know he killed people thing i think my favorite character moment has got to be the pain we see when luke uh is forced to celebrate his sister's birthday um and no one mentions happy birthday to him despite the fact that him and his sister are twins uh, <laughs> yeah all right thank you Seamus yeah thank you very much our next question our final question for the night comes from Christopher who says dark greetings Justin and Corey a very very, very nice. imperial salutations to you as well what the, what else is, what is the other thing they say it's very imperial something oh yeah it, it, um, it's, it's definitely remember. it's almost better than dark greetings but I just love dark greetings because it like fully acknowledges that the empire yeah. is like like the like gentleman to evil. It's like compare like dark greetings with like the portrayal of the empire like Alphabet Squadron, where it's like we thought we were doing the right thing, but we weren't, and yeah, oh, we we killed people, and I still have dreams about it. And then in like fucking this book, it's like dark greetings. <laughs> <laughs> so Christopher asks. From the end of the Bad Batch, it seems that cloning is soon to be phased out for good within the canon empire. However, I think it would be very interesting if alongside enlisted humans in empire, enlisted humans, the empire used Sparty clones for their stormtroopers. Spartys were interesting in Legends in how they showed clones being stripped of their humidity and free will entirely. Acting purely as meat droids and having them be present within canon would add a further layer of tragedy to the clones. Do you think the Sparty cloning will appear in canon or not? No, I don't think so. I think that when... We're talking about a TV show and like something meant for wide like public consumption. When you're getting into like multiple levels of different clones, I think you're maybe pushing it a bit too far. Um, I I also think that like we've already kind of had the kind of established idea that a lot of this is based like there is research going on, but it's more about kind of. Palpatine stuff, at least in my opinion, yeah. it's more about Palpatine's or Moff Gideon stuff. Then, and one of the thing that 
things that's been done more and more with cloning as it's gone on is like examining the humanity of the people or like of the clones. Yeah. That's something that the Clone Wars did really well, like the the show. But even the Sparty clones in Legends got the same treatment as well. Or like when you yeah. first see them, they're kind of treated as these disposable others. Yeah, but you get the uh, Baron Fell clones. Yeah, you get the uh, the Devis uh, in the Hand of Thrawn duology who yeah. help Han and Leia, who really just want to protect their homes. Yeah, so I think, Yeah. <clears throat> so I think even within Legends, the Sparty clones weren't ultimately treated that way either. But I do agree that like having all these multiple layers and levels of cloning is probably not going to be uh, something that yeah. the shows are going to be into examining. Yeah, no, I agree on that as well. Um, I I also think that like canon, and this is something I think you'll probably find too when you read Lost Stars. Canon has put like a lot of emphasis on how like nefarious the Empire's kind of um, conscription methods are because like I guess there are other books that cover this too and maybe even like Alphabet Squadron where it's like when you conscript somebody from your planet you're like getting the planet like when you conscript young people from a planet the planet is in a way buying into the Empire's philosophy because they've got all these soldiers now fighting yeah. uh, for the faction so it's like if 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 Canada was a planet in Star Wars and the Empire comes and steals all of our 18 to 30 year olds it's like we're probably going to hope that things go well for for the Imperial military or else the Canadian Olympic team is going to be fucked. Yeah. Like, yeah. They can't all just come from the NHL. Well, I'm actually kind of trying to come to terms with the fact that probably NHLers aren't going to go to the Olympics, which absolutely fucking sucks because the Olympic Olympic hockey is so good and it's it's really sad. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. I'll continue to not watch it. Yeah, fair enough. Fucker. All right. So in did you tell Charlie to reschedule the, the stream? I told him to do it to 915. Yeah. OK, so in about 20 minutes, we are going to be playing some Minecraft. Uh, so you can watch that on YouTube.com slash E-C-K-S-T-O-O or Twitch.tv slash Corey loses. Uh, if I decide to stream it, I think I probably will. But okay. uh, yeah, so next week we'll decide what we're going to be doing. If anything special uh, for a potential Christmas episode. Otherwise, maybe it'll just be like Jedi Prince t- 2 and 3, like we were originally going to do. Yeah, or like a show or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe like we'll, a, and, or a book of Boba Fett preview or something could yeah. be fun. We'll we'll tweet out our plans when we know them. Uh, then week after that is Book of Boba Fett. So, yeah, a lot of yeah. fun stuff coming up. Dark, dark good nights. Yeah, everyone. Dark, pleasant sleeps to you all. <laughs>